Advertising your business with GCN is simple, effective, and more affordable than you might think. Visit advertise.gcnlive.com for more info. Take your business to the next level. Our Matrix server is about as free as Internet chat can be. Join the existing rooms or create your own at chat.freetalklive.com. What's up, all of our liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Liberty at Night with Nate and Charlie on the Free Talk Live network coming at you from Nashville, Tennessee. Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. With fees of less than a penny per transaction, Dash is made for spending. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges, including the decentralized Maya Protocol and the multi-crypto wallets. Thanks to Dash Dow for sending us 32 Dash per month for this sponsorship. It's easy to get and use Dash. You can learn more at Dash.org. That's Dash.org. A confusing turn of events uh, with this whole Alexei Navalny guy uh, dying in the Russian prison. So it came out uh, yesterday that the uh, that Ukraine is saying that Navalny died of a blood clot, like lining up with what Russia said. And I've been scratching my head and trying to find a way to make this fit into one of my conspiracy theories. And I just can't, I just can't get it to work out. I'm trying so hard to make this fit into my, my conspiracy theory was that he was killed by someone other than Russia in order to uh, drum up support for uh, our involvement with Ukraine and more specifically, giving them more money. And, you know, that's my idea on the matter, because I couldn't find a reason that Putin would do this specifically right now. Clearly, he wanted to kill the guy. They had already tried in the past to kill the guy. So I'm not saying that's not something Putin would do. The timing was just weird to me. You know, Congress is in recess. They're trying to get the 60 billion. Why would Putin do this right now? And so that was my little conspiracy theory on the matter, although I didn't have any uh, facts behind it or anything. But now Ukraine is saying that it was a blood clot, which is what Russia said it was. A little bit more details on this. Kirillo, uh, uh, Kri- I don't know. I don't know how to say that. Budinov, we're just going to call him Budinov. Chief of the main directorate of intelligence, HUR, H-U-R, of Ukraine's Ministry of Defense, has said that Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny died of a blood clot. Quote, I may disappoint you, but as far as we know, he indeed died as a result of a blood clot, and this has been more or less confirmed. Budinov told journalists on the sidelines at Ukraine Year of 2024 forum on Sunday. Uh, He added, this wasn't sourced from the internet, but unfortunately, uh, natural causes. Earlier, Navalny's team reported that his body was finally handed to his mother after more than a week since his demise in a remote Arctic colony. And so when I'm trying to figure out, all right, what's the truth behind this thing? Because I, I don't trust anything that anyone says uh, when it comes to politics, really, at all. But if anyone, if, if anyone has a motivation to say that Putin killed Navalny, that that, that was a, at his direction and that he was poisoned or anything, if anyone has the motivation to say that, it's Ukraine. Clearly, because they would be the biggest beneficiaries of America continuing to fund their war. 
And so for them to come out and say, oh, no, actually, it's what Russia said it was. Now, I haven't done an autopsy myself. I don't actually have all of the uh, scientific data on this. I'm just saying that that's what, that's what this guy's saying, Budinov is saying. Uh, quote, Alexei's body was handed over to his mother, a spokesperson for Navalny's team, said on X. Uh, his team has already argued that the Kremlin was trying to block a public funeral, which could turn into a show of support for Navalny's movement and his opposition to Putin. Initially, Russian authorities claimed Navalny's death resulted from natural causes following his loss of consciousness during a walk in the prison colony. Uh, his team denounced officials' initial refusal to release his body, Navalny's team, uh, their refusal for days to let his mother even see it, accusing them of trying to cover their tracks. Now, it's not that you, I, I'm not, I'm not going to claim that there's that there's no way of killing someone by making them clot, making them form a blood clot. I mean, there are medications that uh, will do clotting. So I don't know. Could be something like that. I don't know if you could prove that it was or was not natural. I just think it's interesting that Ukraine's coming out and saying that. Even more interesting on top of that is that this Budinov guy, according to the New York Times, belongs to an elite unit that was trained by the CIA. Um, the uh, the head of the main intelligence directorate of the Ukrainian Defense Ministry, Budinov, was a member of the elite unit, uh, Detachment 2245, which was trained by the U.S. Central Intelligence Agency. There was this big expose that we need to go through sometime this week from the New York Times talking about the secret war that's been going on with uh, 12 secret uh, CIA spy bases in Ukraine. It's kind of a weird turn of events where everyone was saying that this was completely unprovoked, and then we're going to say, well, yeah, actually, the CIA has had secret spy bases, and we've been doing some crazy stuff to Russia over the last 10 years. We'll go into more detail on that. So on top of that, this guy has very, very, very close ties to the CIA. I would uh, venture to, uh, I would speculate that he, he works very closely with them, if you know what I mean. And so then that's him, Working for Ukraine, working with the CIA, coming out and saying, yeah, it was a blood clot. What do you guys make of this? I find it to be pretty weird. I'm pretty surprised that this is the information that's coming out right now. I'm willing to be wrong with all of my speculation. That's fine. I have no problem. But what about all the people that went out there and said that it was clearly Putin who killed this guy, that he was clearly involved in his death? That's kind of weird. And then for people with ties to the CIA to be coming out and saying this, I don't know. Speaking of Russia, we'll spend a little bit more time on this one right here. Um, Saw this article headline yesterday. This is already starting. This is already starting in preparation for the election. Uh, There's going to be different excuses as to why, if Joe Biden loses, as to why Joe Biden lost. And here's one of the main ones. We've seen it before. Uh, here's the headline from it, from NBC News. Um, Russia's 2024 election interference has already begun. So, yes, we have the Russian election interference narrative starting up already. It's only February right now, but it's already starting up in preparation for the election. I highlighted a bunch of portions of this article Because what you'll find is they start off by telling you that they're already starting to spread this information. And then the rest of the article is about how, well, they're not actually doing anything, but they could do this stuff. And then at the end, they say, well, they actually don't have to do anything because the Republican Party is doing it for them. The point is the headline, because people are going to see the headline, their 2024 election interference has already begun. And in the first couple paragraphs, the first paragraph, 
The first words are Russia is already spreading disinformation in advance of the 2024 election, using fake online accounts and bots to damage President Joe Biden and his fellow Democrats, according to former U.S. officials and cyber experts. Oh, man, aren't those people that we can trust when former U.S. officials and intelligence officials come together to tell you that a specific thing is happening? Shouldn't you just trust everything that those people say? Like in the lead up to the 2016 election, where we were told that Russia had swayed the election. Then we got things like the Twitter files coming out, where they were basically forcing Twitter to try and turn over some type of evidence that Russia was doing some type of a disinformation campaign leading up to the election. And Twitter was like, yeah, I can't find anything. I can't, I can't see that. We don't have anything like that. We're not finding that stuff. And they're like, find the stuff. And so they found some accounts, people with no reach at all. And then that was all compiled into a report and said, yeah, clearly we have evidence that Russia is trying to interfere in the election. When you look at the actual numbers, you find that they, they reached hardly anyone and they didn't have any effect on the election whatsoever. Sure, they're trying to do, of course they're trying to do stuff. We, our, our whole foreign policy is to meddle in people's elections. So I'm not going to act like Russia is any different either. And I'm not going to act like we're any better. Uh, continuing in the article, the dissemination of attacks on Biden as part of a continuing effort by Moscow to undercut American military aid to Ukraine and U.S. They go on to tell you about how none of this is actually happening. They're just worried that it's going to happen. Biden's national security advisor, Jake Sullivan, said Sunday, said on Sunday that there's plenty of reason to be concerned about Russia's trying to interfere interfere in the 2024 election, but that he couldn't discuss evidence related to it. So he's concerned about it, but he can't tell you about any evidence that they have that they're trying to do this. He added, we're going to be vigilant. U.S. officials and experts are most concerned that Russia could try to interfere in the election through a deepfake audio or video using artificial intelligence tools or through a hack and leak such as the politically damaging theft of internal Democratic Party emails by Russian military intelligence operatives in 2016. This is where I point out to you that this Russian hack and leak operation, which, by the way, they said the Hunter Biden laptop story was to begin with, and that wasn't this Russian hack and leak operation from the DNC, was just leaking true information that it turned out the voters wanted to know. So back into the 2024 election interference is already happening from Russia. Accounts from one pro-Russia campaign that Meta cracked down on late last year, an English-language news influencer persona called People Say are still live on other platforms, though some are dormant. A People Say account on X is still visible. So see, this is where Russia is already spreading disinformation about Joe Biden and trying to get people to not be supportive of giving Ukraine more of your money. But it only has 51 followers on X and hasn't posted in almost a year. Its counterpart on Telegram, which Telegram has become a home for some Americans on the far right, is still actively posting divisive content. Ooh, divisive content. We can't have divisive content out there. And has almost 5,000 subscribers. So I want to get this straight to you. The one organization or person that they use as an example or evidence in this article is a persona called People Say, which has 51 followers on X and hasn't posted in a year. And they have 5,000 subscribers on Telegram and they post divisive content. 
In the 2022 midterm elections, Russia primarily targeted the Democratic Party to weaken U.S. support for Ukraine, as it most likely blames Biden for forgoing a unified Western alliance back in Kiev, according to a recently released U.S. intelligence assessment. In what appears to be an effort to deepen divisions, Russia has amplified the political dispute between the Biden administration and Texas Governor Greg Abbott over security at the Texas border over the past month. Russian politicians, bloggers, state media, and bots have promoted the idea that America is headed to a new civil war. So if Russian bloggers and politicians and state media talk about this dispute between the Biden administration and Texas Governor Greg Abbott and say things like we're heading into a new civil war, things that even people in America are saying, well, that's Russian interference in the 2024 election. But there's so far no sign that Russia's disinformation operation in Texas has had any significant impact, said Emerson Brooking, a senior fellow at the Digital Forensic Research Lab at the Atlantic Council. The bigger threat to the 2024 election, Brooking and other experts said, could prove to be artificial intelligence-created fake audio. None of these things are things that are happening, by the way. That's why I highlighted in this article, if you're watching the video, every time they said could, could, might, most likely, scenario, unclear, all of these things, none of these things are happening. They're just speculating wildly about things that Russia might want to do. In an article that says that Russia's 2024 election interference campaign has already started. Most of this article is about hypothetical scenarios about things that Russia could do leading up to the election. Why would they do this? They would do this because you want to start slowly implanting in people's mind the idea that if Donald Trump wins the election in 2024, he is once again not an a legitimate president, that he was once again held by Russia. He is once again a Putin plant. If he doesn't want to support the war in Ukraine and send them more money and stuff like that, that's because he's doing the bidding of Putin, stuff like that. It's to go ahead and sow this idea in people's minds. So that's the first thing that they default to. An orchestrated deep fake or leak may not unfold on the national stage. Instead, it could target a particularly crucial swing state or district, experts said. It might aim to discourage some voters from going to the polls or so distrust about the accuracy accuracy of ballot counting. The most likely scenario will be hyper-personalized, localized attacks, uh, said Miles Taylor. Deepfake audio, which is easy to create and difficult to detect, has been used in a recent In recent elections in multiple countries, in the U.S. last month, a fake Joe Biden robocall told New Hampshire Democrats not to vote in the state's primary. Uh, It's been recently discovered that that was actually a Democratic operative. They start off by saying that it's likely that Russia could try to do something like this. The most likely scenario could be this. They could do this. And then they point to uh, evidence that this has happened in other countries But it wasn't done by Russia. It was done by Americans or by other people in their countries. Two days before Slovakia's parliamentary elections in September, a fake audio clip reported to show the leader of a pro-Western political party discussing how to rig the election. The audio was eventually debunked, and it's unclear what effect it had on the election. But a pro-Russia party opposing aid to Ukraine won most of the votes. Now, they just said it's unclear what effect it had on the election. It was debunked. But then what they say is a pro-Russia party that opposed aid to Ukraine won most of the votes. And so the idea would be that this pro-Russia party did it 
maybe even by on behalf of Russia or they are they are working for Russia or closely aligned with them or they at least share the 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 same viewpoints and desired outcomes uh, and that they oppose aid to Ukraine and that's the party that won most of the votes well that's going to be similar to what happens if Republicans win a lot of elections and those Republicans are opposed to aid for Ukraine doesn't that mean that they were somehow swayed by some kind of Russia influence in this election? These are all the pathways that are supposed to be building in your mind right now if you're in the very small percentage of people that actually read past the headline of the article. And then, because they don't have anything else going on right now to talk about, because there's not that much stuff going on and they can't specifically tie anything to Russia, they just go on talking about past things that Russia did. Only on top of that... They can't even prove that Russia did these past things. They have to start off with the word alleged, alleged, alleged Russian information operations against Ukraine over the past two years open a window into some of the Kremlin's tactics. A study published by uh, Wednesday by the Slovakian cybersecurity company found that a pro-Russia campaign has been spamming Ukrainians with false and dispiriting emails about the war with claims of heating and food shortages. These countries are at war with one another right now. Uh, In a coordinated effort near the start of Russia's invasion in 2022, cyber attacks temporarily knocked key Ukrainian websites offline while residents received spam texts telling them that ATMs in the country were down. Yes, these were things that happened in preparation to Russia rolling tanks across the border. Uh, But they're trying to tell you, like, well, these are things that they could do in America. (laughs) Leading up. Sure, they could. Do we have any proof that they're going to do these things? No, not really. In the U.S., though, Russia's propaganda themes are now often echoed in comments from some Republican lawmakers and pro-Trump commentators, including the portrayal of Ukraine's government as deeply corrupt. See, these are just pro-Russian disinformation campaigns when you hear these Republican lawmakers and pro-Trump commentators portraying Ukraine as being a corrupt country. Who would ever think such a thing? I mean, leave out the fact that we just had another report of, you know, a stolen $40 million here, people getting fired here because of corruption. Uh, You know, Joe Biden actually admitting that he had to get that prosecutor fired because of corruption. There's no corruption in Ukraine. It's, It's, in fact, the most pure government that you've ever seen in the history of the world. The adoption of Russian state rhetoric in America's political debate is a victory for Moscow, experts said. Putin's goal is to spread doubt and division among Americans. You see, Russian state rhetoric like we should not be giving Ukraine any more money. That is already spreading in America right now. And this is a victory for Moscow. So anyone who parrots any of these talking points is once again just succumbing to some type of Russian disinformation campaign. Or you're just by default doing the bidding of Moscow. There's no reason that you would possibly think that the U.S. is $34 trillion in debt, and we got over a trillion dollars in deficit every single year, and that we shouldn't be giving another $60 billion to another country. No, you're probably more likely to be someone who's influenced by Putin or doing his work anyway. An equally nice outcome, this is a quote, an equally nice outcome for them is just what we had last time, where a third of the country doesn't believe the vote. Democracy is questioned. The system gets questioned. So they don't necessarily need to see their guy win to have it be a good outcome for them. You see what we're living in right now, where people are questioning the 2020 election. That's actually what Russia wants. It can't be that people actually have legitimate questions about the 2020 election. 
I don't go down the route of actual ballots being changed or votes, physical votes being stolen. But there was definitely election interference on the part of the actual U.S. government and the mainstream media. I, I don't think that you could even argue against that. It remains extraordinarily difficult for a remote cyber attack to take over voting systems in the U.S. and change vote counts. The American intelligence assessment of the 2022 midterms found no indication that Russia had tried to hack into election systems or ballot counting that year. A former CIA directorate of operations official said the Kremlin would most likely, most likely, once again, see trying to penetrate U.S. voting systems as a low-risk undertaking. Don't see any reason why he wouldn't do it. Not presenting information that they did do it, that they have been doing it, that it's actually happened in the past, that it's actually affected our elections in the past. It's just important to put someone's opinion in there that they don't see why Russia wouldn't want to do it. Still, U.S. officials and disinformation analysts say Russia's ability to manipulate voters shouldn't be overstated. When it comes to spreading disinformation and fueling distrust in election authorities and election results, The biggest threat comes from within America's fractured, polarized society, not from the outside. And then they go on the last couple paragraphs to say that they're actually skeptical that Russia would feel the need to do any of this stuff because Republicans are already doing these things. Do you see the mind journey that you would take a reader that read the that read this article that actually went past the headline, the kind of journey you would take them through? as they were reading this and just absorbing all of it into their brain, if they weren't looking to be skeptical of it the entire time, but they were actually trusting the news source and just trusting that this was all, you know, factual and on the up and up. You start off by telling them that they are trying to interfere in the 2024 election, that we are worried uh, about the things that they are doing. And then you say, here's one thing they're doing that they've got an account on X that's got 51 followers that hasn't posted in a year. And then they got 5,000 followers on Telegram. That's the only thing that they mention in there. And then they talk about a bunch of things that could possibly be done just to try and whip up some fear for you. Just be scared of all these possible things. Look at this robocall thing that happened in this this current primary election. It was actually done by a Democratic operative uh, in in America, but whatever. Uh, don't, Don't pay attention to that. And then they say, but don't even worry about that. The true threat comes from Republicans because Republicans are already parroting what Moscow and Putin want them to parrot. And so once they get you whipped up about how Russia is going to steal the election and they throw in a bunch of things that you should be scared of and they get you thinking about the downfall of America, they say, but the Republicans are already doing this. Anyone who disagrees with the Biden administration is already doing this. Anyone who doesn't want to send Ukraine money is already doing this. Anyone who says that they are uh, possibly a corrupt country, that they're corrupt officials that are misspending, misusing our resources that we're sending them, they're already doing this. So those are the people that you should actually be worried about. Do you know someone with a drug or alcohol problem? Get help now. Insurance may cover everything. Stop the drug and alcohol nightmare. Call 800-284-0523. Learn how through the Family Medical Leave Act, you can leave your job without losing your job. Locations everywhere. Get immediate help for drug and alcohol problems. Call now. 800-284-0523. 800-284-0523.
What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented Made in America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. walloffire.com. USA News Update. House Speaker Mike Johnson on the hot seat. He'll be meeting with President Biden along with House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries, Senate Republican Leader Mitch McConnell, and Senate Democratic Leader Chuck Schumer, all of whom support aid for Ukraine. Johnson will have to decide to bring the aid bill to the floor for a vote or not. Meanwhile, President Joe Biden chatting with late-night comedian Seth Meyers while they hit up an ice cream shop. The media asked him if there will be a ceasefire in the Israel-Hamas conflict. He said he hopes by the end of the weekend that will happen. The death toll in Gaza estimated to be about 30,000. Houston authorities releasing graphic security footage and police body camera footage of the February 11th shooting inside Joel Osteen's Lakewood Church. Corey Myers, USA News. Advertising is simple. It starts with someone who has a need. Mom! And then gets more specific. Mom, I want pizza. Then we add urgency. I want pizza tonight. Before you know it, your GCN advertising message is reaching millions of listeners. Listeners who are definitely in need. We want pizza! You see, advertising on GCN is simple. Your message meets their need, and the result means new business for you. Tell us about your business. Then let our super creative department go to work to craft just the right message to feed those who have an urgent need. We want pizza tonight! GCN has the most affordable national radio advertising rates, period. And millions of people listen to GCN radio programs on over 1,000 AM and FM and XM stations and streaming audio live. Get started today with GCN, the Genesis Communications Network. Just shoot us an email, advertise at GCNlive.com. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for kids, teens, or young adults. It's just not. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals and volatile organic compounds into your body. And nicotine, the same highly addictive substance found in regular cigarettes. Nicotine can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. Affecting learning, memory, attention, and impulse control. And priming the brain for other addictions. Vaping products also come in kid-friendly flavors that can make them appealing to youth. And many kids also use other drugs, like marijuana and vaping devices. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping. Because when you talk... They hear you. We still do email. Drop your email address in the entry box at freetalklive.com and you'll be kept in the loop with Free Talk Live. What's up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Liberty Night with Nate and Charlie. We're back. We are back. 
want to make sure you guys go and find us on our daily podcast, which is Good Morning Liberty, goodmorningliberty.us, brandylies.com, or search Good Morning Liberty on your favorite podcast app. What's the most important thing that we could be talking about? Is it Russia? Is it immigration? According to polls, it's not. We're going to talk about the economy because that's the most important thing to us on this show and to everyone around the country as well. One thing we've noticed recently as inflation has been coming down is that economists and politicians have been confused why Americans don't think the economy is getting better or why they're so unhappy with Joe Biden uh, with his performance on the economy. I pulled up one of the most recent poll results and uh, Joe Biden has a 37 percent approval rating, 63 percent disapproval rating when it comes to the economy. And people are just perplexed about this. They can't figure out why Americans don't realize how good they have it and how good Joe Biden has done with this economy. Because after all, inflation has been cut in half or more. And so why aren't you happy? Uh, This tweet from Paul Krugman, he's talking about food prices. And in this food prices tweet, he says, Amazing how much mail and comments I get insisting that grocery prices have doubled and are still soaring. They haven't and they aren't. What he puts on here is the CPI for food at home. And what you find is uh, it's showing the prices have gone up about 20 to 22 percent, something like that, since all the inflation came in. And so the people he's arguing with are the people who have said that food prices have doubled. And he's saying, no, you don't know what you're talking about. However it is that you're feeling, uh, you're wrong. Now, you scroll through the comments on this post, and it's a lot of people giving anecdotal evidence. I used to buy this for this price, and now I'm buying this for this price, which is roughly double what it used to be. Unfortunately, what we're about to talk about is the fact that that's not how CPI is calculated anymore. Even if the price has doubled, that's not how it's calculated. That changed uh, back in the 80s and the 90s. Pull up this article that was explaining this pretty well. They said in 1983, the government switched from using, this has to do with with home prices, and we'll get the food here in a second. Uh, They switched from using home prices, which also included mortgage payments and maintenance costs, to using rental prices to gauge the cost of housing. The cost of housing for people who own their property is now measured using what is called owner's equivalent rent, how much their house would cost to rent it if they did not own it. That's not the craziest thing to me because houses generally appreciate in value. And if you already have a house, well, your costs are not really increasing, except for that it also used to cover maintenance costs for the house, which is something that is increasing quite a bit. But now they do owner's equivalent rent. That has its merits And it has its downsides because what if people don't own a home and they want to own a home now? How much has that price gone up in the last few years? It's gone up a lot. If you're watching the video, you can see this chart of how high housing costs were going up from 1960 up to 1980. The uh, number is skyrocketing, uh, going up to 20% change from previous year around 1980 and then all of a sudden the number just flatlines and it stays pretty low that's where they started calculating this differently and isn't that convenient that we don't count it the way that we used to count it and now the inflation is not as bad keep that in mind when they compare the inflation 
that we had now to the 70s and the 80s that we calculate the inflation a completely different way than they were calculating the inflation back then. The food one is the craziest one to me. And so remember, we're kind of talking about this Paul Krugman tweet where he says, all you guys who think the food prices have doubled, y'all are crazy. Here's what the CPI says. This is another big way it changed, and this was in the 90s. Economists once collected a basket of items, eggs, milk, shampoo, other items, and tracked how much they cost over time. Uh, But that measure was criticized for potentially overestimating inflation because it ignored that consumers adjust their spending over time as prices increase. And we do do this. You, You change Uh, You might even change how much you eat, but you change the way that you spend money. You might change the brands that you buy. I don't think this accurately reflects the conditions that people are dealing with, though. Economists began to update the basket more regularly about 20 years ago, and the weights are now reset every two years to reflect what people actually spend their money on. They tried to account for substitutions. Imagine that the price of cupcakes went up one month. Instead of paying more, a consumer might buy cookies instead a decent but cheaper dessert alternative, and their monthly costs wouldn't go up. So maybe you used to buy cupcakes, and you see that those cupcakes are now twice as high as they used to be. Does that count in the inflation number? No, because they have assumed that you are instead going to buy cookies. Because instead of cupcakes, what they've said is dessert. And so can you get a close dessert alternative Well, yeah, you're likely to substitute down to a cheaper price. But what if you wanted what you wanted? What if you wanted to have the same consistent standard of living that you had three years ago and you're just addicted to cupcakes, so you got to have them? I don't know why people would feel this way about cupcakes. I don't get it. They might also buy a container with fewer cupcakes, switch to a cheaper brand. So if shrinkflation happens also, or if you used to buy a six-pack of these cakes, And now you're going to buy a three or a four pack to try and save money. Well, turns out you're not spending more on on cupcakes like you maybe would have if you would have been buying six. Turns out your cupcake expenditure did not go up, even though you bought less cupcakes than what you bought beforehand. And to factor in that behavior, the government tweaked how it calculates inflation in some categories in 1999, uh, correcting the problem in the eyes of many economists. The problem those economists saw was that Uh, inflation was way too visible for people when they put out these numbers and they needed a way to keep the inflation number lower. I don't like the idea of assuming that people are going to substitute to a different brand because what are we trying to get out of our inflation number? In my opinion, we're trying to get what it is to maintain the same standard of living that we were maintaining back in 2019, to use that as an example. Brands matter. I mean, sometimes they don't. I get it. Sometimes it doesn't matter if you go to a cheaper brand. Sometimes they do. There are certain items where I'll refuse to buy the off-brand of whatever whatever the specific item might be. I've got to get that brand. That's the one I've been getting for a long time. And yes, some of those brands have doubled or more in price. As far as the numbers are concerned, they have assumed that I did not care about that specific taste, that specific brand, and that I was fine switching to a cheaper brand, and so therefore inflation did not affect me very much. They shouldn't be making that assumption for people. So I put out this post earlier trying to explain, you know, what is this disconnect between people? Because you look at the poll results on how people feel about the economy, 
Uh, I think the last number I saw, uh, let me find 35% of the respondents said that the uh, economy is good. That differs widely between Democrats and Republicans. But 35% of the respondents say that the economy is good. It was 37% approve of Joe Biden's handling of the economy. Why is that? You keep seeing all these news articles that, you know, people, they just can't shake this, even though the economy is in great condition. You look at the numbers, look at the numbers, but they just, they just can't shake it. I think the reason they can't shake it is because you can't actually escape the reality that people are feeling when they go to the grocery store. I know what brands of stuff I buy. And I know that cookies are different from cupcakes. And I remember, unlike the, you know, a number that just says a change from this year to this year, I remember what life was like in 2018 and 2019. And I remember how it changed after that. But when you look at the numbers, it, it doesn't show that. They just assume that because they decided this is how they're going to calculate the CPI, that that's the way that everyone's going to be feeling. That's not the way that people operate. Like We know what our lives were like. We know what products we use to make our food over the last several years, and now maybe it's changed in the last few. I put an example out here. I didn't pull numbers or anything, but I just wanted to give an example of how this works. So if you were buying Campbell's soup, I don't know why I picked Campbell's soup. I also don't really eat soup, so I just I figured a can of something. What's a can of something? Maybe it's a can of Campbell's soup, and there's a brand name for you. If you bought Campbell's soup four years ago, you might think the price has doubled. But they, in this calculation that started in 1999, they assume that if it's gotten too expensive, you're going to buy great value soup instead or insert whatever uh, brand name that is, you know, Walmart's is great value, and you can pick whatever other cheaper brand name you can come up with. Uh, maybe Campbell's was $2 and great value was $1.25 in 2019. But now Campbell's is $4 and great value is two fifty. Now you might notice that that is a 100% increase. That is a doubling of the price for each of these items. This calculation says that soup went up 25%. Why does it say that? Because Maybe you were paying $2 for Campbell's in 2019, but now they are assuming that you're going to pay $250 for the great value brand soup in 2024. So therefore, it increased by 25%. And that is how they get away, and that's how people like Paul Krugman get away with saying that, no, food prices have only increased by 22%. I put in here the brand names are important because they're all often better taste and quality. Not always, but... This new this calculation, I said it's new, but it's from 1999. It assumes that these are interchangeable. And instead of giving you the number in the CPI calculation for Campbell's Soup, which would be difficult for them to do, I get it. Instead of giving you the number for that, it gives you the number for soup. Or instead of just giving you the number for uh, cupcakes, it could give you the number for uh, dessert, packaged desserts. You're not crazy. You're just being lied to and so when they gaslight you or they act like you're crazy for thinking that things have gone up so much when they show you a chart and they say that it hasn't gone up that much uh no you're you're probably you're probably right um i wanted to show you what the actual cpi number according to shadow stats who calculates it based on the 1980 way uh and the 1990 way 
that they calculated this, um, but this is the 1980 chart. Um, right now, we're sitting around 3.1, 3.3, somewhere in somewhere in the low threes for the headline CPI inflation number. And if you calculated it based on the 1980 way of calculating this, we would be sitting around 12% inflation. Almost four times as much inflation happening right now in 2024, or at the time this was done, probably late 2023, uh, as what the official headline number is saying. Now, you compound that over the last three or four years, and instead of what we've seen as, I don't actually have this number, I'm just going to guesstimate on it, instead of what we've seen as uh, 18% compounded inflation over those few years, you might be more at 50% compounded inflation for for all items over these few years. What we feel and what you feel is that old way that this was calculated because you're the one that has to make decisions on whether or not you're going to switch to a different brand or whether or not you're going to stop buying cupcakes and buy cookies instead. All of those things compound in your your memory and the way that you feel when you're going to the grocery store. The chart does not show that. But the inflation rate that we feel is the blue line on the chart that I'm showing you right now, if you're watching the video. That's where the disconnect is, right there. All right, that concludes that portion of the show. I wanted to talk about the uh, student loan forgiveness thing. Thank you, Bailey, for that compliment. I appreciate that. The Biden administration forgave another $1.2 billion in federal student loans. Just got the numbers on this uh, last week. It's actually forgiven quite a bit under this new, what they call a save. It's called the save program. I think the old one was called repay or something like that. Uh, it's pretty crazy. You know, he tried to forgive what was calculated to be about $500 billion in student loans. This whole time, I really feel left out, by the way, because I my student loans got bought by a private company uh, and by, I think, is it uh, Mohila or a private company, something like that is uh, who has my student loans. And so I don't qualify for any of this. Um, even when they were doing the, the interest and all of that, uh, the pause on that didn't count. You know, I paid my loans the whole time. Uh, so when, if you got bought by a private company, you're, you're screwed on this whole thing, but they shouldn't be doing it in the first place. I went to school. I told them that I was going to pay for that. All the paperwork said what interest rates were going to be and stuff like that, and I agreed to pay that stuff back. I went through a period of a few years after I got out of college and didn't pay my loans, You know, racked up a bunch of interest and charges and stuff like that on them. And so the situation I'm in with those loans right now, where the, if you look at the number, I've paid off like $2,000 worth of my student loans when I've been paying on them consistently every month for uh, I don't know, 15, 15 years, something like that. And I've paid off like $2,000, but I pay like $400 a month for the student loans. It sucks. Okay. It does suck. I shouldn't have gone to college. What a waste of time. Anyhow, uh, Wednesday, the Biden administration announced $1.2 billion in additional student loan forgiveness for more than 150,000 borrowers. This is definitely not a way that they're buying votes. Definitely not a way that Biden is trying to get votes before the election, stepping up this whole forgiveness thing. 
when he's doing terrible with young people who are upset about the Israel Gaza thing. His poll numbers are terrible with young people projected to lose pretty badly, actually, in the uh, in the election right now. Definitely not just trying to buy votes. That's not what it is. This is not bribery in any sense. Uh, this particular round of forgiveness was previously announced last month, and we just got the exact costs. Quote, the Biden-Harris administration has now approved nearly $138 billion dollars and student debt cancellation for almost 3.9 million borrowers through more than two dozen executive actions. Wasn't, I mean, he'll use that pen for stuff that he wants to use that pen for. From day one of his administration, President Biden vowed to fix the student loan system and make sure higher education is a pathway to the middle class, not a barrier to opportunity. This is not doing anything to fix the student loan system or to make sure that higher education is a pathway to the middle class. The way that higher education is a pathway to the middle class is if you go and you get a, you obtain a skill that is actually valuable in the economy, that is actually needed in the economy, and that you actually need the degree to get whatever job it is that you end up working. That's how it's actually a pathway. That's not just because you have the degree, if it's a completely worthless degree, or in my case, if you have four and a half years of college and no degree, that doesn't help you uh, either, just so you know. And it's not fixing the actual student loan system. You're not helping with the actual prices of college. All you're doing right now is you're incentivizing the colleges to keep raising their prices to astronomical levels. You're promising to, promising to bail out students who get into these loans. How is that actually going to fix the student loan system? That's not a fix. Back to the article. This latest slate of forgiveness is part of the Education Department's sweeping changes to how the government handles student loan repayment. As part of the administration's original attempt to forgive up to $20,000 in federal loans per borrower, they also made several changes to other student loan programs. Most notably, they introduced the Saving on a Valuable Education. SAVE, a new income-driven repayment IDR program designed to be much more generous than previous plans. For example, under the previous plan, repay. Uh, Monthly payments were set at 10% of a borrower's discretionary income, and that discretionary income was defined as earnings above 150% of the poverty line, with forgiveness coming after 20 years of consistent payments. Now... The payment is only 5% of their discretionary income, which is now defined as 225% above the poverty line. And you, uh, let's see, if the borrower's balance is less than 12K, they'll get forgiveness after just 10 years. So it used to be 20, now it's 10. It used to be 10% of the of your income above 150% of the poverty line. Now the payment is 5% of your income above 225% of the poverty line. And like I said, uh, you got to pay on it for 10 years instead of 20. So they made it like way, way easier, way easier to get your loans paid off. I'll show you why I wanted to talk about this and we'll get into a couple tweets, one from Robert Reich and one from Nina Turner um, after this. Uh, the original plan was estimated, and I remember the Supreme Court said that he couldn't do this, and Biden's been out there boasting about how, yeah, they said I couldn't do it, but I went ahead and did it anyway. Okay, that's fine. I just wonder if the same people are going to be okay with that logic. 
when some other president is doing the same thing. Yeah, the Supreme Court said I can't do it, but I'm going to do it anyway. That didn't stop me. I don't think a lot of people are going to be okay with that line. That was estimated to cost $500 billion. And everyone was freaking out about that. Supreme Court said that he couldn't do it. This plan, the save plan, over the next decade, as this happens, is going to come in around $475 billion. $475 billion. And the $500 billion one uh, was told by the Supreme Court that they couldn't do it anymore. So they found a way to still forgive almost the exact same amount. It'll probably end up being even more than that. They'll add on new ways to try and do this. Why are they doing it right now? Probably because it was a campaign promise and they're coming up on an election year. Now, if you say that, you're some kind of conspiracy theorist. Like Robert Reich just said, funny how wealthy Americans will readily accuse Biden of buying votes with student debt forgiveness, but had no issue with Trump signing massive tax cuts for themselves. Could have been a dumb bleep submission for Friday, but I didn't want to wait all the way until Friday to mention to Robert Wright that deciding that you're going to steal less money from people is not the same thing as deciding that you're going to steal money from people and give it to other people. I know that in a way, people don't see that as what is happening when they cancel, in quotes, your student loans, but the debt is not canceled it's transferred onto the taxpayers. It, it's not as if the school is like, okay, yeah, we're not going to charge you for this college. The, the government canceled it. So we're not, you know, we're no longer going to accept payment for the time that you were at school. Is that what's happening? No, school's already been paid. They already got their money. So it's coming from somewhere, but it's not actually canceled. Where's it going to come from? It's going to come from the taxpayers, or it's going to come from inflation, which is going to be everyone, borrowing, which is going to be everyone. It still comes from other people. That's what I'm trying to get at. So this idea that student debt forgiveness, you know, people are upset about that, but they were totally fine with tax cuts. That ain't the same thing because taxation is theft. That is taking from people what they have justly earned. Okay, this is actually still just taking from people what they've justly earned and giving it to other people who had signed on the dotted line saying that they were going to pay something back. Now, he says, there's no, this is not buying votes. This is ridiculous. He's not buying votes. I wanted to couple that with a post from Nina Turner, who said, who, she's retweeting, quote tweeting this poll. And uh, the, the poll says a new poll conducted in Michigan by Howard University shows that President Biden's support among black voters has dropped from 49 percent to 49 percent from 94 percent. It was a 94 percent in 2020 down to 49 percent right now. If that actually holds true to the way people that vote, by the way, then Biden loses the election. If if that is actually how the votes are going to shake out, he'll lose the election based on that number. Trump's support has risen to 26%, which is three times what it was in 2020. So it was a little bit over 8% in 2020 among black voters. Now it's up to 26%. So what is Nina Turner's response to this? Reparations now. 
Medicare for all now, college for all now. Her actual answer is that we need to buy everyone's votes. I just found that to be pretty funny. If you're having a hard time getting support among black voters, you know what you need to do. Give them free stuff. And by free, I mean by using money that you stole from people under the threat of imprisonment and death. That is what you need to do. You can't get them to vote for you. Let's give them other people's money. Problem solved. But wait, there's more. That's right. We got a whole lot more Liberty at Night on the Free Talk Live network coming right up. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. Tehebo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea helps build red corpuscles in the blood, which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop, and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit shopsupertea.com. The first word is shop, spelled S-H-O-P, then the word super, and then the word tea. The complete website is shopsupertea.com or call us at 818-984-6100 Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-984-6100. ShopSuperTea.com.